All right, so welcome to the Turn Purpose to Profit series. My name is Jen Johnson, and I am just so excited to bring so many amazing experts we've been talking to, so many amazing humans, just really talking about how to uncover your spiritual gifts, build a profitable business, and create success as a Christian entrepreneur. And I think for so long, I was told to separate the two, and that left me struggling. When I started to finally bring God into the center and the core of everything that I'm doing in my business, things really started to change for me. And it's really cool. I'm excited to be interviewing this wonderful woman today because actually when I first got started in my business, the very first book I ever read was hers. And I'm going to let her talk about that. And uh, she's an amazing author. She's actually a clinical psychologist. She's a top earner inside of her network, inside of the network marketing space, and uh, just runs a successful podcast show called Dreamcast. And is also, I was reading some of this, that you're a certified trainer with uh, Jack Canfield and elite coach with uh, John Maxwell. So you just have this array, uh, this huge resume. So I want to introduce you to Denise Walsh. How are you, darling? <laughs> Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> awesome. So tell us a little background of how you got into this space, like your, your short story. And uh, I'm just so impressed with everything you have going on and, and how, you're, how you carry yourself and how you just, uh, you've created such a beautiful thing and, and such an amazing impact with people. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure getting to know you over the past month. And yeah, so I basically got into the field of psychology because I really have a heart for people. And I spent my summers in college working at a camp. So I was a camp counselor. The first summer I was a lifeguard because I really like getting tanned. So I, <laughs> I worked in New York City with foster kids. So essentially we would bus foster kids to this camp and work with them, love on them, play with them, do devotions and chapel and all that kind of stuff for um, seven days. And then they'd go back and often they would come back to camp throughout the summer. So we really got to know them. And then I was a, the next year I was a, a cabin counselor. So I had a group of girls every single week and really got to kind of dive a bit deeper with each and every one of them. Prior to that, even I was a, a camp counselor in Asheville, North Carolina and did home repair missions. So churches would wow. come down and we would work at a site, you know, a home site for their mission trip. And I was one of the leaders and I would help with drywall and painting mm -hmm. and roofing and all the things that you do when you're doing fun. repair. Um, and I fell in love with it. You know, I fell in love with service. I fell in love with people. I fell in love with belief casting. And really, um, when you're working with clients in that capacity, um, being able to kind of love on them three steps ahead of where they are was so important. And that is really what spurred me to get my master's in clinical psych. Wow. And so how did that lead you into the online world and, and network marketing? And Yeah, totally not something I expected, that's for sure. Like the yeah. left turn. <laughs> yeah, so I got my master's from Wheaton, which is right outside Chicago, in clinical psych, and I'm like off to change the world. Do you know when you get out of school? And I had been in school for, what, six years of college, and you know, you finally get your first job, and I was so excited. Um, I ended up working at a community mental health in like the like a country like a like not very I mean it was like country <laughs> so, 
when you live in a rural area like that, I really did everything. So I led like six or eight groups at the community mental health. I did on call. I worked with families and from, you know, ages eight to 80, um, lots of different problems and issues. And um, man, you know, when you go into a field like that with a huge heart and you like want to help, and then I ended up working in a system that really couldn't help them. Um, I felt like my clients were in and out of jail all of the time and they didn't really know that life could be different. And so it was a very burnout position because as you know, working for the government is lots of clients, lots of work and little pay and all of the things. So I quickly went through what they call a quarter life crisis, which was, I was so excited. I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to do. And my first job, like my dreams started to really shrink and I'd go like, "Eh, this isn't really what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I stayed there really restless for quite a while. Um, And I feel like this restless spot is where a lot of people live because they don't know what they want to do next. And because of that, like, at least for me, I stayed in that restless spot for far too long. And that is when my business came into my path. And it was a really cool way for me to try something new without having to full-blown quit my job, um, without having to, you know, take a huge leap. I could check it out and try it out. And my husband has always wanted to be an entrepreneur. He was an aerospace engineer. And so he really had the vision for for network marketing and for entrepreneurship. And so we were able to do it together. And that was really cool. He kind of casted vision and I, I learned slowly, but within about three years of starting our business, we were both able to quit our full-time jobs and we've now been full-time longer than we were in the corporate world. Wow. That's so amazing. So when you stepped into this world in, in the network marketing space, did you a lot of people get identity crisis or they start, you know, I know for me, I did a lot of bouncing around and I was always searching for something external thinking, Oh, it's the product or it's this, or it's, I I was never really, never really felt at home when I was trying to figure out my footing in this world. Did, did it just fit for you right away with, have you been with the same company the whole time? Did you, did you, how did you know that was, the place that you were supposed to be versus, cause I know a lot of people, you know, we get introduced to this by a friend and some people don't realize there's so many other companies that do the same thing and have different products and this and that. So, um, people always are kind of searching until they find that one. Like, what was that for you? Yeah. So I have, I've been with the same company for almost 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting about where we are is the company was founded here. And so we met, our sponsor at our small group at church. We were friends with the CEO prior to even signing up. Brandon, my husband used to play basketball with him at like the church league and the doctor who's in charge of our supplements. I actually, when I finally went to a meeting, it's just kind of crazy. I had known him years prior. I had no idea he was affiliated with the company, but I had, I had known him. I had heard him speak and I had already respected him. And so when I came to the first meeting, kind of all these things lined up and, and it really was, um, I felt at home right away. So that was really special, but I didn't really identify with being an entrepreneur because my dad was an accountant. My mom was a stay at home mom. I just got my master's. Like I'm a hard worker, 
And the whole only world I knew was work really hard for 30 years and then retire, you know? And so this risk of being an entrepreneur, of trying something new, was something I really had to grow in. Uh, I even said I had no personal vision. Like I didn't understand what this really could do when I got started. But what I did do well was I showed up. You know, I went to events all the time and I surrounded myself with people who did know and I, and I eventually was able to really encapsulate that for myself. But I remember my first networking event, I was invited by my aunt because she was in, in insurance and she was like, oh, Denise, come with me here. And so I wore my, my shirt and I'm all, you know, nervous, but proud, but I don't know. And they went around the table and they said, all right, well, what do you do? And I said, I'm a clinical psychologist and I also do this business. And it was there that I realized that that wasn't going to build my business, right? That wasn't going to make me money. Uh, I really had to own the fact that I am now an entrepreneur, whether I know it or not, you know, I had to kind of start owning the fact that this was a part of who I was and be proud and loud about that rather than feeling this split of identity. That's, I love that you say that because a lot of people feel they have to separate who they are from what they do. And, you know, whether it's creating a separate Facebook account because they're afraid their family is going to see it and having this, um, this battle in their head that they have to, uh, they have to keep things uh, separate, but we live in a day and age now where really your lifestyle and your business just go hand in hand, especially if you're building online. So what tips or advice would you have for people around that? If they're, if they're battling, maybe they don't have a supportive family or they're just feeling kind of uncomfortable in their own skin to even admit that they're building a business. Right. Well, I think it's all part of the learning process. So just know that it's normal. Um, I find that so many times we take this fear or this step outside our comfort zone and we go, mm, maybe this means I shouldn't do that. And so right. then we retreat back to what's comfortable. Right. And my answer is like, no, 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 no. Like that's just new. That's all. It's just new. So I really took the meaning off of any fear, any sort of, you know, I, I just decided it didn't mean anything anymore. So I noticed it when I was nervous or when I was trying something new, I was stepping outside my comfort zone, but I didn't give it power. So just know that it's new and everything is learnable. And what I have really come to do now is own my own strengths. So a couple exercises that I did at the beginning were things like, what would my ideal teammate look like, right? A, like a huge list of what my ideal teammate would look like. Who's somebody that I want to recruit? And then I would star the things that I already was. Mm -hmm. Meaning I'm, I'm already good at this. Like I already am positive and goal focused and I can finish things and I'm a good learner and I love health and wellness. You know, like a lot of the things I was looking for, I realized I already had, which meant I could own that stuff. And then what, cause when, I mean, 12 years ago, we didn't have social media. So like social media came like after I'd quit my job and things, but now we have the ability to know who we are and shine that brightly and draw people into our conversation 
really branding ourselves and branding our, you know what I mean? Like when we're so confident in who we are, yeah. we can draw people in who are similar to us and they're going to love our business too. So I think knowing your strengths and then really owning them can be really helpful, especially in social media. Absolutely. And that was something that I really battled with for a long time because I, I'm an outgoing introvert. And so I think a lot of people who are introverts think, oh my gosh, I can't do this or I can't, you know, I'm not going to be able to be successful in this space. So what is it that, you know, for me, I really started to own the strength of the fact that I, I like being on camera and I like casting a wider net and being able to reach more people on webinars and using like more of the online strategies to build a business. Whereas cold market prospecting, I've, I found to be like draining and energy sucking. So like, what are some of the strategies Do you feel like with network marketing? I'm like, even as a network marketer, build an email list, have a podcast, have yes. this, like, are you, have you moved into that? Cause I still find a lot of network marketers don't really teach that to their teams because maybe it's not as duplicatable or whatever that is. But what is, what does that look like for you and your team? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is interesting. Find your niche and do it well. Like I found my strength and mm -hmm. I did it a lot, but everybody's mm -hmm. strengths are different. Yeah. I remember when I was going through this, I had my eyes everywhere else and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I am not as loud and obnoxious she is like yeah. I have to be boisterous and own the room when I come in or I don't know like I'm not a nurse I don't have the background and science experience that this person does am I going to be good at this or so I would look at everybody else and wonder maybe I need to get better at my weaknesses but again once I realized no 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 I already was good at a lot of things I could just own that yeah. then I really started to flourish but I think that also comes into branding yourself and really knowing your authentic and unique voice. And with the attraction marketing um, experiences, again, just drawing people, people in. So I love, I'm now able to like combine it all, right? With the psychology side, leadership development, personal development, pushing people outside their fears. But I'm now doing it with people who want help in a situation that can help them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that, you know, with, with all the years of success that you've had, like, obviously you had some leadership skills coming into this game because of everything you did prior. And I always try to encourage people, think of the experiences you already have, like, what are you already naturally gifted at and using that and moving that experience, whether you've been a nurse or whatever that is, there are certain things you needed as a nurse that would move over into this, this space well. So in all your years of success and working with people, what do you find are their biggest obstacles that they face when it comes to tapping into their calling or their spiritual gifts and the things that they're, that do come natural? Cause they're so, they're too busy focusing on other people or their weaknesses. How do you flip that? Like what would, what would be your advice to flip that? Yeah. Good question. And yeah, I think a couple things. Number one, everybody, at least I know when I was living in that uncertainty spot, I was looking outside for validation. And so I feel like so many times we are looking outside for somebody to tell us what to do, especially because we are grown up to be employees. I was a really good employee, which meant if nobody was telling me what to do, I didn't know what to do. Right. I had to grow in this entrepreneurial mindset. So 
Um, when, um, with that being said, when we're looking to others for validation and direction, we lose touch with ourselves. So the next step I had to do is again, to kind of, what are my strengths, but then asking myself, what do I want? And some of that had, I mean, I had to get quiet. I had to journal. I had to take a step back and really say, no, who am I? And what, what does, what does my life look like in this space? How can I be successful? What is my vision? Like, I really believe that we can use network marketing to either fulfill our life's calling within our team or to make enough money to go fulfill it. If we want to be a missionary or we want to go do something else, but there's, there's something here that is so, so powerful, but I had to connect with myself in order to do that. Nobody was going to be able to tell me what that is. I really had to go on a process of discovering it. Yeah. That's why they say success is an inside job, you know, really identifying those things for yourself, whether it's the, the spiritual gifts or the skills or, or even the desires. I remember I was doing all these things that I hated doing. I'm like, wasn't the point of doing this is so I could love it and I don't love what I'm doing, <laughs> you know? And so when you get into that space, you have to kind of sit. And I think a lot of times everybody, you know, we're so eager to just say, but I just need to make money. And, and we don't take the time to sit and reflect and really ask ourselves what we want. And that's so important. So, well, and you said something like, awesome. I wasn't enjoying it. And how many times do we should ourselves and we should do it and we plow through it when, when maybe we shouldn't, like we really need to listen to that and we can pivot and we can make a change and we can do something that aligns a bit better, but we have to listen to those things first, right? Yes. And I think a lot of times people feel pigeonholed by the, by, you know, maybe they were introduced to a company or a product or, and they feel like, well, I have to make everything fit to this. And a lot of times we're just kind of introduced backwards because we really want to think about, well, who do we want to serve and what kind of impact do we want to make? There's products out there. There's, there's things out there that, that will align with whatever you truly want. So do you ever come across that where you, I'm sure you have, where you've met people where they just, they don't feel like they're in the right space. And do you, it's hard because you don't want to discourage them and say, well, you're just not, you know, you're not focusing on the right company or this or that, but you truly do want people to be in a place where they feel home and like they're making the impact they're meant to be making. So how, how challenging is that when you have those conversations? Well, I know that this is new for most people. And because we were kind of grown up employees, we do have skills to learn most of the time, unless you're an entrepreneur in some other way and you walk into this business. And one of the first things that I like to recommend to people is personal development. I mean, that at the end of the day, we know is going to make or break us with whatever entrepreneurial venture we're in. And so when somebody comes to me with a fear, with a resistance, with a, I don't know if I can do this, kind of going through their first funk, which we all go through. And uh, I like to say the first funk is the deepest. And then usually it's not as crazy after that. (laughs) It feels like a roller coaster ride. And then eventually you build those, that emotional quotient and it's not as crazy, but um, The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. Is free on YouTube and it's an audible and it's from like the fifties. So his voice is really (laughs) deep and soothing, but, and, but it's still so relevant. I mean, I, I challenge people to listen to that. The compound effect by Darren Hardy, um, retire your husband. 
that we yeah. wrote during our leadership growth um, experience. And, you know, there's just a lot of resources out there that can help build the muscles within within this business. But it, eventually it's all about relationships. And that's the question is when you're at an event, do you feel like these are your people? Do you feel like you've got people you can call when you're having a good day, when you're having a bad day? The skills can all be learned. So if you feel like you've got good relationships and you just need to learn the skills, we can do that. Um, if you feel like you go to an event and it's not quite, you're not, you don't feel at home, then I'm sure there's lots of other places where you can. Yes, I agree. And so was there ever, let, let's bring God into the center of this, because I know, as I had mentioned, for me, I, I kind of was always like, I got this. I got this. I'll, I'll let you know if I need anything, God. And I would bring him in as needed. And I struggled for years and years that way. And it wasn't until I brought him from here to the, the core and the center of everything I do uh, that things started to change. So was there ever times where you felt like you were trying to self-manage and do it all yourself and just, you know, keeping God there? And, and you know, what was that like for you? Did you bring him back to the center? And, you know, what shifts did you need to make to keep keep him there consistently, you know, in everything that you do. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a season in my, well, it's like you season in your business, but really the biggest culprit of business is life. I feel like <laughs> when you are having life happen, it can bleed yeah. into everything. And so I was having a season of life where things were just cloudy and confusing and I was struggling. And there was, you know, during that time, I really tried to just plow through you know, I tried to plow through, I tried to make it work. I tried to, um, compartmentalize as best as I could. And I got to a breaking point where I just was, you know, and you're just like, I, I can't, I can't like, this is too much. And so I, this is when the war room came out from, it was oh, wow. a movie. Yeah. So I watched the war room and I was inspired and I went downstairs. We've got a couple extra bedrooms downstairs and one of them has a walk-in closet with like a shelf. So I brought in a chair and a blanket and my Bible and I set up shop in this like walk-in closet that was kind of far away. You know, it's downstairs. It's, I can talk in there. I could cry in there. I could, I could write and I could hang stuff on the walls and I knew nobody was going to bother it or see it. And I could just be super vulnerable in this space. And so the first thing that I did was grieve and like, I'll get out. Cause I think a lot of times we suppress emotion or we don't acknowledge it, or we just try to move through it when really we do need to acknowledge it. And I really had to kind of allow it to come out. And then I just started speaking life. Oh my gosh. So I started thanking God for rock star team members. I started thanking God for solid relationships. I started asking for what I wanted, not in like a needy way, but in a like, thank you. Like I agree. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this is happening. And mm -hmm. I ask for your, um, for your help, like bring these people, like make me trip over them, you know, like let's do this. And the transformation that happened in my personal life and in my business throughout just even six months of being in this war room, journaling, writing, connecting, and asking was a game changer. Like it changed everything. And I think it was because I wasn't just, I mean, I was reading before and doing devotions before, but this was like heart focused, like, all right, I, you know, like let's partner together and, and amazing things happened in that, 
in that spot. Oh my goodness. I can like get chills thinking about it now. Uh, do you still have that room? I do. I do. I, we, I um, don't go into it as often because we have like a new reading area. Okay. So I still do my devotions up there, but I can tell you when I'm having one of those funks, I know I need more than just my devotion. I need like a space to like, not just purge my thoughts and feelings in a safe place, but also a place to start speaking life. So it's kind of one of those things like life around you can look a certain way. Um, but I wasn't talking about life around me, right? I was saying, thank you for these X, Y, and Z things that it doesn't look like that right now. You know, it's like saying thank you for, um, you know, weighing 130 pounds when you weigh 160 pounds. Like, you know, it's like, it doesn't happen. It doesn't doesn't look like that right now, but you're speaking what you want. And I just started like, oh my gosh. And it unlocked so many amazing domino effects all, all throughout my business and my, my world. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to give thanks for what's to come. If it's after the fact, it's gratitude. You know, like you're grateful for what's already happened. But when we give thanks, it is to be for what's to come. So that's, that's how, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And it, it was, yeah, it was powerful. And having a place to where you could write and leave it. I don't know when you've got kids, there's not many safe places. So it was really special to create that. Yeah. So what does your daily routine look like in the Bible and getting into the word? I'll tell you, like, it's always, the Bible's always been very, I think, intimidating for a lot of people. It's so big. Where do I start? A lot of times you just sit and look at it and think, what chapter should I go to today? Like, what's the, and a lot of times, even now, I find listening to podcasts or having someone speak it to me, just, I get more out of it, but at the same time, you know, the Bible is, is that's holy. And there is so much power in actually reading and and being moved through the words that you're reading. So what are some tips that you have for people that maybe struggle with just knowing what to do with that book? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I'm with you with podcasts and listening. Mm -hmm. I work out in the morning and I love part of the reason why I get up and work out is because I want to listen and I use it as kind of personal development time too. So I listen to podcasts, um, to audio books. Um, one book I'm reading right now is called The Last Arrow or listening to right now. Okay. And um, I'm trying to remember who it's by. I'll look it up really quick. <laughs> but um, we just listened to him at a leadership retreat. Oh, that's awesome. Bye. Erwin McManus, The Last Arrow, Save Nothing for the Last Life, or for the Next Life. And he just is talking about passion, you know, like mm-hmm. go the extra mile and really live in, living out your life purpose. But So I listen a lot in the morning as well, and then I journal. Um, I journal, and usually I take just a section of, a, of the Bible, so a verse or a story, and I journal about that. Okay. I do, so I'm not necessarily like reading Genesis to Revelation right now, right. <laughs> um, but John is one of my favorites, and so I'll mm-hmm. I'll kind of go deeper in a passage. But I spend time with gratitude, and then I spend time journaling, and then I spend time with affirmations and visualization, and really kind of connecting um, with what I want and allowing the space for passions to bubble up. Because I feel like you know how they say you get your best ideas while you're driving or in the shower, yeah. like when you least expect it. Um, I really try to create that space in the morning for that connection. Yeah. 
I yeah, know. absolutely. I know for me, it's always the shower. I'm like, I know it's so funny. I'm wet and I don't have a pen and I, uh, I have to remember, like, don't forget this. <laughs> and so now obviously with that, it takes time. And I think a lot of people can agree time. They sometimes just feel their, it's their enemy. So let's talk time management as a mom and a business owner and making time for God and making time for relationships and family and, and your health. And you know, you're at the gym like how, what is all this, what does balance mean to you and how do you get it all done? You know, what's, what's some of your time management hacks? Yeah. Um, that's actually why I created the dream life action planner, which is a freebie for your listeners today. Oh, awesome! Um, but it is all about time management and number one, getting clear on your most important goal right now. <laughs> So what I ask people to do is to take all seven areas of life, which would be family, friendship, finances, health, hobbies, business, and giving back, and then describe what they really want life to look like in those areas. You know, if you were to rate them all a 10, what it, would it look like? Really think about your dream day, allow those things to bubble up, because I do believe we can live a 10 in all areas at the same time. And what I find is most people rate, would rate themselves an average of a four. And so we just, you know, we're made for more than that. Um, but we really yeah. can't work on them all at the same time because that is a lot of goals at one time. So I say pick one, one area, if it's your business, pick your business, if it's your health, pick your health. And then you really want to give it a slot in your calendar. So in the action planner, it talks about outsourcing, you know, who can you ask for help? Maybe it's a teenager to help with laundry, or maybe it's getting a cleaning lady once a month. You know, a lot of times these things are less expensive than we think because we just count it out before we even look into it. So what are some things that don't have to be you? Maybe it's using paper plates for 90 days while you work out, like rock out your business and you just like take one less thing, one thing off your plate. Um, so it's, um, it's putting it in your calendar, outsourcing some of the things that you don't, that doesn't need to be you, or maybe can be on the back burner for a season. And then I also find chunking out time. So one of the things I think that, especially as women and moms, we're really good at is multitasking when we find that multitasking really doesn't get anything done. So right. I put my important things in my calendar and then I chunked it out so I could be fully there and then go to the next thing. Yes. And what I find when that, when I do that is I, you know how we're like, okay, when you're with your kids, you're thinking, oh, I should be working my business. And when you're working your business, you're like, oh, I should be. Yes. What I find when I chunk it out is that I'm here because I know my kids are also, also have a slot. <laughs> yes. But I don't really work between four and, and eight. I don't. Um, and, and I know that I'm going to be home doing dinner and homework and all of the things that I need to do. So I can really be focused between 10 and three, right. whatever it is. And so I don't have to have that split emotion because it all has a place and I can be a hundred percent there when I'm there. Yeah. I, I so agree with time blocking. I think it's important to, and I actually, you know, I'm one of those girls that likes to use different colored pens for everything. So pink is personal and green is business. And you know, just so the more colorful your calendar is, then you know, you're like, okay, I got different things going on and, and you're good. So I love that. And so where can everybody find your dream life action planner? If you go to denisewalsh.com slash action, Okay. Um, we'll send it directly to you. Awesome. That is so, so cool. So I think I have one more here. 
So one of the things when we, we get into this business is the hype of everything, the cars and the houses and the, like we like have a big vision board and all, of all these things. And, you know, I've never, I've always been pretty practical. Like, you know, I love nice stuff, but not, I don't need like a Ferrari or anything crazy. Um, but there is times where I, I, I would find myself feeling guilty for wanting more and like things of this world. And, and I know, you know, God wants us to be happy and he wants us to enjoy pleasures in life. But when like, it's hard, I think as a Christian and and then you're surrounded by all these millionaires and people that are making all this money and to not let that consume you, like let, you know, in the beginning it was all about, I just need to make money. I just need to make money. And so what are some, what's some advice you can give on, on a shift or just like learning contentment or, um, you know, how to best manage worldly desires versus what God truly wants for your life? Mm, This is one of my favorite questions. (laughs) Um, so I love to say I'm content and ambitious. Mm -hmm. I love where I am and I know where I'm going. Um, I think that a couple things come to mind. Number one, really understanding our money mindset because money is not bad. And money is not good. Money is just a thing. And we place our own value on it. And so sometimes, you know, just even addressing that or thinking, what is my view of money? Um, What is my view of people who have money? We, We know that money makes a bad person better and a good person gooder. You know, like it really doesn't the money isn't the problem, right? So, um, so at the end of the day, money mindset is something that we really can grow in. The other thing is guilt. So I hear, hear this a lot with people redreaming. They maybe hit their first goal and then they stay stuck there and they don't really know why they're not progressing. And it often has to do with the fact that they haven't redreamed. They haven't set their new goal. And why haven't they set their new goal? Usually it's because of guilt whether they're afraid of leaving others behind, um, they're afraid of what will people think, they're afraid of wanting more, they're, um, you know, the the guilt that can come with success. Mm -hmm. Those are all things that stop us before we really even get started. And so what has shifted me from this, like, I shouldn't want more, I should just be grateful, I should, whatever, is my focus has never really been about the money. It's always been about Um, my personal growth and vision. And so the opposite of, I don't know what the word would be. It's not like, if you're not growing, you're dying. So if you are staying the same because you feel like guilty for wanting more, you're not using your gifts to your ability. So the opposite of that is really creating a strong personal vision because I don't feel guilty about the impact that I'm making. I feel like I'm living my life's purpose and the money and the success or the accolades or whatever, whatever happens is a byproduct of me living in my purpose. And so when I kind of got out of my own head and stopped focusing on stuff and really focused on my own personal vision and my own personal growth, um, again, it's just that domino effect. Yeah. And, and we can love where we are and we can, we can be so grateful for where we are, but that doesn't mean we need to stay stuck here. We can also know where we're going. Right. And just focusing more on the people and the impact and yeah. in your personal growth. I, I think I agree that domino effect of the, those 
the monetary things or that whatever that kind of starts to just automatically follow, but it's no longer something that you're, you're obsessing over or that's not the main focus. So I think that's so awesome. I just love you. I'm so grateful that we have been able to connect. I know, this has been so fun. I appreciate you so much. And again, guys, yeah, she, uh, she did write the book, Retire Your Husband. Now, why retire your husband? Some people would say, I don't want to retire my husband. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I want some people. I'm sure we stoked. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, retire me. <laughs> it came about because we were making um, enough, you know, we were making enough money to bring both of us home. And so then the question was, well, what do you want to do? And we both should be living in our purposes. And so it was, I, I think the retire your husband was, all right, let's be a full-time family. Let's all live in our strength zone and rock this out. And a lot of times reti- to, to retire your husband really is just um, giving them a space to do what they love to. Now, I do have to say the whole book is a leadership development book. I like to say I did not, I don't feel like I was born a natural leader. Um, I was a really good follower. I was a really hard worker, but I wasn't someone confident in myself enough to feel like I could lead until I did. And mm-hmm. so Retire Your Husband is how we grew, how I grew and my partner, Cammie, um, who co-wrote the book with me, grew in our leadership development coming from, I would rate my skills like a four when I got started, a three or four, like I was really timid and shy and I didn't really get it. Uh, and, but then I, I grew a ton. And so when you grow, you feel like you want to give that back into the world. And that's what retire your husband is. Right. So my husband's like, great, I'm going to get couch time and eat bonbons. I'm like, no. (laughs) So I like that you define that. I'll have to have him watch this part and be like, no, no, no. (laughs) So no, I think it's great. My husband's also a, um, he owns his own business, super motivated. And I don't think, I don't think I could ever actually retire him because he loves Well, exactly. That's the thing is like, just doing what you love. Like that's, that's what it really is all about because that's when we can best serve the world. Absolutely. And so guys, definitely check out Denise. You can grab her book. You can grab uh, over the Dream Life Action Planner at denisewalsh.com forward slash action. action. And uh, check out Dreamcast, right? That's the, the podcast that you have. There's so yep. many awesome uh, episodes over there. Thank you so much, girl. I'm just so blessed to know you and can't wait to connect with you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys.